Hello and welcome to The Pulse. In part two of this week's show, we look at efforts to protect Hong Kong's wildlife from illegal trappers and lawmakers' concerns over how much electricity companies are charging consumers. But first, there seem to be more and more charity collectors on the streets, more and more often, some of whom are increasingly pushy, while others have been revealed to be somewhat dubious. The Social Welfare Department says that last year it reported 34 cases of suspected illegal fundraising activities to the police. The bewildering number of collectors can make even the most generous people increasingly reluctant to give. More than 7,500 charitable organisations in Hong Kong are tax-exempt under Section 88 of the Inland Revenue Ordinance. Donations allowed for deduction under profits tax and salaries tax last year amounted to 3.69 billion Hong Kong dollars and 5.76 billion Hong Kong dollars, respectively. But how much of the money donated is really used for charitable purposes? The answer is, it's almost impossible to know. There is no statutory requirement for self-claimed charities to submit annual reports on their finances. It's hard to assess whether donations to certain charities have been used effectively. The iDonate website has rated hundreds of charities for public reference. We then see there's such a platform that provides the uh, information of charities to help us make the selection. So since there's nothing like that, uh, we created our own. Uh, we buy the order report of charities and then perform the analysis. There is a diversity. Some of them raise really good. Uh, that have, they, they have high efficiency, they have low fundraising uh, expenses. The welfare sector itself has also created a self-disclosure platform to enhance charity accountability standards. It's called WiseGiving and requires the charities to fill in the standardized handbook disclosing their organizational brief, report service delivery, governance and financial situation. So far though, only 250 charities take part. They can file in all their charity information for us and WiseGiving will do a validation on the information they provide and uh, disclose all this information on the website for public information. Because the financial information, we do provide a single standard template where it is very easy to understand by the public and we do hope that this is a more helpful resource for the general public to understand charity. The Law Reform Commission has been looking at ways to increase the transparency and accountability of charitable organizations. On the 6th of December, it published a report recommending that the government should work with professional bodies to establish financial reporting standards for charities in Hong Kong. It also wants charities to be forced to publish their financial statements and activities for public inspection. Some say they worry about disclosing such information. Some charities also question the definition of charitable purposes, especially when their activities may be related to political issues. The Law Reform Commission 
recommends that there should be a clear statutory definition of what constitutes charitable purposes. It also excludes political parties from being regulated as fundraising charities. 咁我哋就做咗個民主簡，其實就係一啲誒環保番簡嚟嘅，即係環保簡咁。但係咧就會覺得誒簡就正正係一個選擇，即係同音啦。咁我哋亦都會擔心啦。啊，咁我哋誒即係令到啲婦女去討論啦，會有一個商討關於呢個誒政制啦，會做一啲嘅簡去義賣支持佔中啦。咁咁呢一個又會唔會影響即係被界定話唔係一個慈善活動咧？咁但係我哋係一個慈慈善團體。Charities should apply for different types of permits for different types of fundraising. For fundraising activities such as setting up donation boxes or flag days, they need public subscription permits issued by the social welfare department. For on-street selling, they have to get a temporary hawker license issued by the food and environmental hygiene department. The Law Reform Commission suggests that the government set up a platform to handle applications for charitable fundraising licenses made to different departments. This platform should be responsible for the licensing of all charitable fundraising activities. The commission also wants a formal registration system. Currently in Hong Kong, there is no extra registration system for charities. Uh, yes, uh, the IRD, the Indian Revenue Department, they do uh, grant the Section 88 tax exempt status to. Organizations, but that's about it. But that's you know, their own basis is whether these organizations qualify for a charity status. But they are not actually the one who monitor the, the work of the charity or any disclosure requirement for a charity. Well, with us in the studio is Christine Fang, who until recently was chief executive of the Hong Kong Council of Social Service, but also worked with the Law Reform Commission to develop its proposals for. Charity regulation. Um, just before we get to the, the proposals, can I just ask you why do there seem to be so many charities out on the streets more than before collecting money? Well, first thing that uh, it's um, there are there's the need. Uh, you see, there are more and more social issues and problems. And uh, uh, the second thing, it's the government actually kept its. Uh, Uh, subvention for subsidized uh, uh, support for deprived people. They used uh, the lump sum grant, which is uh, capped, uh, only increased by inflation, and uh, uh, special uh, or needs like uh, new immigrants, uh, refugees. So you get more and more uh, smaller NGOs who have to survive on public fundraising. Greater needs, less money. Yes.、Hmm. Well, I mean, the the charities themselves seem to be rather resistant to the proposals that we, we, we've just seen outlined. Why, why is that? Well,、uh, the the first thing it's、um, uh, charitable organisations actually they survive on public trust. In a way, they want to be accountable and transparent. But an underlying concern it's、uh, charitable organisation is. A major part of civil society, and civil society, you need the space and the autonomy to to work on their own. Like、um, the the resistance, it's、uh, this this mistrust, underlying mistrust that can one single government department or centralized body knows what is advancement of religion, 
knows what is advancement of human rights. And that organization is responsible for vetting, approval, investigation, and even punishing things that they, 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 they don't see as charitable purposes. So oh, the concern, it's uh, the underlying concern, it's who gets to appoint this charitable or, or body. That's presumably your concern too, is it not? Uh, so we actually are doing a balancing act because as charitable organizations, we need to build this public trust, build transparency and accountability. And also we need to have this space and discretion to do what we see as charitable purposes, which we see in other places. So the three things that we are proposing, the first thing is Hong Kong needs a modernized statutory definition of what is charitable purposes. The original four I mean, definitions expanded to 14 to include like human rights, environmental protection, advancement of animal welfare. So the second thing, other than telling people what are charitable purposes now in Hong Kong, it's we're proposing a registration system which all charitable organizations that ask for tax exemption, uh, who go f out for, to publicly fundraise for their cause, have to be registered. And the public can access these filing and disclosure requirements. But um, apparently the problem is that, that, that even though your proposals have been set out, they're quite clearly there, there's nobody really in government who's <laughs> prepared to put them into law. Um, this is actually our subcommittee's uh, concern too because the Law Reform um, Commission does a lot of good work reviewing, updating the existing laws, but it will be the government responsibility to take it up afterwards. So who will be the champion for this proposal of giving a new statutory definition to charities now? So oh, it's until the date we, we hand in the report, we do not know. So it seems like you might have created an orphan, Christine Fan. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. And uh, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Whether it's summer or winter, we spend a lot on power in Hong Kong. In the heat, air conditioning bulks up our bills. In the winter, it's heating. For the most part, Hong Kong is relatively wasteful where electricity is concerned. This week, legislators were quizzing the power companies on how much they were likely to be charging over the coming few years and why. Next year, residents of Kowloon and the New Territories will be paying more for their power. China Light and Power, or CLP Power, will be increasing its rates by 3.9% to 110.8 cents per kilowatt hour. The news is better, in a way, for Hong Kong Island and Lama Island residents who rely on Hong Kong Electric for their supply. They'll enjoy a freeze in prices next year. However, they're already paying 20% more on average than CLP customers. Hong Kong Electric's promises that the power fee will be frozen from 2014 to 2018 at 134.9 cents per kilowatt hour didn't impress lawmakers in the Legislative Council panel on economic development on Tuesday. 
Legislators accused the power companies of being deceptive in their financial management and accused CLP Power of abusing its tariff stabilization fund. CLP Power argued that the fund is currently too low and has fallen to 8 million Hong Kong dollars from around 700 million. It needed to grow to 300 million Hong Kong dollars to be effective. Tongjan 2020年的時候,我們用氣量是相對相配,加上去,而現在燃料費是新的氣價是四倍舊的氣價。基本上,我們的批准都不明確,是相當之合制的。看到基本電價所謂微調是相當之細,而且政治價是平穩。Most of Hong Kong's people are squeezed into concrete canyons, yet there are large areas of unspoiled land in the country parks and in other places that just can't be built on. And on that land, there is more Hong Kong wildlife than you may think would survive, some of which is increasingly endangered either for profit or because some people consider it just to be a nuisance. Under the Wild Animals Protection Ordinance, it is illegal to trap any wild animal in Hong Kong. That doesn't stop poachers. 
The Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or SPCA, says it still regularly finds illegal traps in the wild. It often conducts operations to search for and remove these traps, but the trappers usually escape capture, unless they're caught red-handed. Uh, Successful prosecutions are rare. According to the Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department, AFCD, 135 traps were seized last year. Yet only one case has been prosecuted under the Wild Animals Protection Ordinance since 2012. Apart from its own efforts to patrol the countryside, the AFCD relies on the public to report illegal traps. The case was discovered by a member of the public who actually heard him um, barking or whining or howling, obviously as a result of his leg being caught in a gin trap. Which he developed a, an infection um, that we weren't able to, to treat effectively. He also had some nerve damage. So we made the decision we amputated the leg for him. If you look at the individual animals, they can actually um, suffer a lot in the process of being caught for whatever reason, so they can get injured. And, and obviously the intent in some of these cases, as we've seen recently, may not be just to capture them. It may actually be to catch them, capture them and kill them. And obviously that may be done in a very inhumane way. What's more worrying is the threat to endangered species. Golden coin turtles are valued for their medicinal properties and because they can be sold as pets. However, their population has been seriously reduced by illegal traps set by those who want to profit from them. Trapping pressure was very high when we first started studying the turtle. Um, it does suggest that there's less now um, in the wild um, to catch. Kadori Farm is another organization that sweeps for illegal traps. It has collaborated with the government on protecting the golden coin turtles. One store in Tung Choi Street told the Pulse that a male golden coin turtle can fetch up to 120,000 Hong Kong dollars. Shops are allowed to sell the species if they have a license and proof of the origin of the turtle. But it is possible, illegally, to use this paperwork to sell turtles caught in the wild. 
the market for rare species has been developing over the years. There was one incident where um, a trapper was located um, actually holding um, a big-headed turtle, actually. We're worried about this turtle because, um, actually, at the moment in Hong Kong, it's quite widespread and common in some streams, but very quickly, um, through illegal trapping, these animals could be removed from the environment. But while there are laws on the books to protect Hong Kong's wildlife, all these organisations are facing an uphill battle, given that there are so few prosecutions, and that even when people are prosecuted, the sentences they're given are so light. One of the examples that we've seen that came to the magistrate last year is a man that was found with 20 of the remaining 120 Philippine pond turtles that still live um, freely in the world today. The magistrate in that case didn't even think it was necessary to send that man to prison. He was fined $8,000. The penalties that are given for trapping of wild animals in Hong Kong are generally very, very low. They're nowhere near. The, um, the power that's actually been provided under the legislation. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Just for now, goodbye. <laughs> oh, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? The big bad wolf, not me. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? <laughs>